0: okay Luke chapter 20 was our reading for today and again Luke is continuing to recount the events during the last week of Jesus earthly life and ministry and the chapter um, essentially revolves entirely around the authority of Jesus the scribes and the chief priests the Pharisees and the Sadducees they all approach Jesus questioning his authority and um, Jesus forces them to recognize the scriptural testimony to his authority and finally he warns the, re- the reader against uh, the doubt and unbelief of those who refuse to recognize his lordship and who pin their pride and their hope on their own righteousness so let's look at a couple of things here let's let's think about um, the authority of jesus doubted uh, for many of you this chapter may begin with a, a heading that says something like the authority of jesus challenged that's what it says in my bible Well, this isn't just the theme of the first eight verses, but essentially the entire chapter. The chapter does begin with the chief priests and the scribes and the elders openly questioning Jesus' authority by demanding to know where he got the authority by which he performed his many miracles, verse 2. They ask him, by what authority, or who gave you this authority for the miracles that he performed? Both phrases assume the authority he was exercising was not his own it must have been uh, by someone else's authority that he did them or someone gave him that authority either way it wasn't his authority by by nature in their minds at least Jesus refused to answer their question because he knew their motives they obviously weren't satisfied with this or with the parable Uh, he told immediately afterward more on that in a moment And so they still pressed for ways to doubt and question his authority and try to expose him as a fraud. Therefore, later in the chapter, we're told that they, in verse 20, they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said. So first, they sent some to ask him for his authoritative answer as to whether it was right or wrong to pay taxes to Caesar. Verse 22, then the Sadducees got in on the action and came asking for his authoritative interpretation of the Bible and asking a convoluted question about marriage in heaven, verses 27 to 33. In both cases, Jesus answered them so decisively that the scribes and the chief priests became silent, verse 26, and the Sadducees no longer dared to ask him any question, verse 40. Well, that's the authority of Jesus doubted. Let's think, secondly, about the authority of Jesus displayed in this chapter. After the initial challenge to his authority in verses 1 through 8, Jesus told them the parable of the wicked tenants in verses 9 through 16. And and in the story, uh, Jesus tells them about someone who owned a, it's not the first time we've come across this, a vineyard. And I've told you so many times uh, that a vineyard uh, often represents the people of Israel in the Old Testament. You see particularly Isaiah 5 one through seven it seems like so many parables that jesus tells takes place in a vineyard um, for that reason and 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 in the parable of the the man who owned the vineyard uh, different servants were sent to it at different times each time the workers of the vineyard beat and mistreated the servants eventually the master's own son was sent to the vineyard and the workers decided not merely to mistreat but to kill him for that reason the master would take the vineyard away from the first workers and would give it to another people. We're told later that the scribes and the Pharisees finally got something right. They perceived in verse 19 that he had told this parable against them. Well, very bright of them. And uh and we've already like I said we've already the vineyard was a symbol of of uh uh Israel in the Old Testament they, they were uh, they were his planting, and so he he tended to them very carefully and constantly as a farmer would his crop. And in this story, the workers of the vineyard mistreated various people, the master sent of it, representing their mistreatment of the prophets throughout the Old Testament his, history. And, of course, the sending of the master's son was Jesus making reference to it himself in his coming. And Jesus uses this parable to make yet another authoritative prophecy of his impending death but the parable as a whole demonstrates the authority of jesus because of the explanation of it that jesus gives to it at the end in verse 17 jesus says or it says that jesus looked at them looked directly at them and said what then is this that it that is written and he quotes psalm 118 22 the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone um And he's quoting Psalm 118 to to 1822 to show that their rejection of him and of his authority is simply the fulfillment of what had been written down in the scriptures for centuries. Furthermore, that that prophetic scripture shows the certainty that no matter what the scribes and the Pharisees and the elders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought they would accomplish against Jesus, his authoritative purpose would prevail and he would become the chief cornerstone of the kingdom of God, despite their best efforts to prevent it. The clincher in this chapter is later, verses 41 through 44, when he looked at them again and quoted uh, Psalm 110, verse 1, and asked them another question that they could not or would not answer. There, King David said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus uh, uh, examines them on this verse, and he asks them, In their understanding of the identity of the coming Messiah, whose descendant would it be? They answer that he would be a son, a descendant of David. Verse 41. Well, they were right about that. Incidentally, Jesus was a descendant of David. See Matthew 1.1. But then Jesus pressed him even further with this verse. Jesus observed that David, speaking of the coming Messiah in that verse, who would be one of his own descendants... He refers to the Messiah, his descendant as, quote unquote, my Lord. The Lord said to my Lord. I mean, think about it. That's a messianic Psalm. David, I guess, could have said the Lord said to my descendant. Sit at my right hand. But he refers to his the, his, the Messiah who would come uh, through his line as my Lord. Jesus asks them how could this be how could the son be greater than the father and yet this was so he was demonstrating to them that just because he is uh, a descendant of David doesn't mean he is inferior to or lacking in authority over him to the contrary David himself calls called him my Lord and don't forget that Psalm 110 verse 1 also includes the promise that one day the enemies of the Messiah would be made his footstool. In other words, he would reign over them. This is yet another sober warning to the Jewish religious leaders of the day not to oppose him, but to recognize and submit to his divine authority over them. We would do well to heed the same warning. We may not deny the authority of Jesus overtly and vocally as the religious leaders did in that day, but we can and do deny his authority implicitly through our negligence in reading his word and obeying it. We deny his authority implicitly and functionally every time we willfully disobey his will clearly written for us in scripture. We deny his authority by our lack of passion for his glory. We deny his authority in a hundred different ways. Fortunately for us Jesus died for those sins. Incumbent upon us though now that we claim to be born of the spirit of God having repented of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus is to have an awakened understanding of the authority of Jesus And live out the implications of that truth in our lives every day. And those are some thoughts from Luke chapter 20.